0: It truly was a season like no other for the Phoenix Mercury in 2022. And as a former Phoenix Mercury beat writer, I can't wait to talk to the current Phoenix Mercury beat writer at the next, Hayden Silly, about everything that went down for the orange and purple team down in the valley. It's the Lockdown Women's Basketball Podcast. Let's go. (laughs)
1: locked on women's basketball your daily podcast on women's basketball part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: yes hello and happy friday everybody we hope you are excited it is now september we are getting ready for the weekend though to take you behind the scenes here we are pre-recording this it's still august where hayden and i are talking today here but uh, i'm alex simon from bay area news group kind of just a casual hanger on around the next having previously been here plenty of times we've got hayden silly calling in from my old stomping grounds the valley of the sun hayden how warm is it in phoenix right now
1: (laughs) uh last time i checked alex it is 110 degrees um it's it's too hot I mean, you, you, you've you lived here long enough. Have you ever tried the thing where you, you take a pan, you put it on the concrete, you try and fry an
0: egg on it? Uh, the thing that I did was baking cookies on the front of the car, the dashboard, the dashboard cookies. I'm going to uh, have to try that. I don't know if... I don't know if that was a user error more so than like the heat error, but they, they did not turn out great. But I think that was more because I didn't make a good cookie. But, um, you know, that's that's what you get when you come to Phoenix sometimes is that it can be so unbelievably hot no matter what. And especially in the summertime, right in the heart of the WNBA season. But frankly, I mean, this season, just in terms of drama, there was no more hotter drama, I think, on television this year than the Phoenix Mercury were once the season got going, because Hayden, you got quite the year to break into the beat. I I feel like it would be a little bit of a therapy session to let you just kind of talk through everything that happened this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, where, where would I even start? There was,
1: (laughs) there's so much stuff that happened like you said, I mean, this was, this was my first time covering any real like professional sports team throughout an entire throughout an entire season and you know from start to finish you know obviously you start with Brittany Greiner being wrongfully detained in Russia in February and that was sort of just a spiral of things to come for this team uh some of it you know was you know I don't know how I would say it. some of it was you know situational some of it was self-inflicted um but you know what I mean they still made the playoffs and you know I know the whole argument that oh, there's only 12 teams in the WNBA. But still,
0: I mean, I think given everything
1: that's, I mean, that's
0: I'd still say that. It's, it is an accomplishment, even if the threshold to get that accomplishment is easier to achieve than in other leagues, no doubt. But especially given, I mean, given the team that was having to win two out of their last four home games to make it there, a team that legitimately at one point was hoping to have a starting lineup this season with five Olympians in it, from Diana Taurasi, Skylar Diggins Smith, Kia Nurse, Greiner, who obviously is a circumstance that nobody could have saw coming, nobody was would ever wish upon anyone anywhere in that regard, and especially to a team. Then you throw Tina Charleston, who was currently still in the playoffs in Seattle right now, and none of those five were available for what turned out to be the last six games of the season for Phoenix between the four final home games that they had and the two playoff games, and. You know, I, I look at the way the season has gone. I think self-inflicted is something you could apply even more broader at times. But I do think once you get to the season and once you have your group together, just the litany of things that happened, Hayden, are still just a sight to behold, When you, if you, especially if you put it all in the running log that way.
1: Yeah, I think the first thing you start off with, obviously, is the whereabouts of Skylar Diggins-Smith, um, you know someone who in a lot of people's opinions should be on the all WNBA first team, right? This is someone who, you know, averaged, I think it was over 20 points a game. If I'm not mistaken, she was, you know, I know she was top five in scoring. Um, you no, know, she, she won this team games multiple times, multiple performances against the Sparks, you know, you know, 29 points in two, in two of the games against the Sparks. And, you know, against that, against Minnesota in that double overtime, you know, she had and, you know, she is such a great player. She is, she will win you games, but, you know, I just, I kind of shrug a little bit because I just really would have wanted to see her in the playoffs. You know, obviously people were going to write out Phoenix, no matter what they're playing Vegas. And I mean, and after that second game, when Vegas hit 23, three pointers, like, Obviously you get it, but you know, I mean she made the all WNBA or might make the all WNBA first team. She'll she'll be on one of those teams for sure, at least in my opinion. But wish it wasn't so abrupt the way that she left. I know it was for personal reasons, and I use that term a little bit loosely because you know, it might be it might be actually for personal reasons. It might be something outside of that, but I was just a little bit bummed, just being able, like, from from a reporting sense, you know, not being able to cover her in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, she averaged nineteen point seven points a game, third in the WNBA this season. She added on top of that, four four rebounds a game, five point five assists, a steal and a half per game, which I believe was in the top ten in the league. Just an overall just wonderful season for Skylar, and especially there were many games it felt like where she was the only player who was trying to carry this team to the heights that it had talent-wise, especially early in the season when things weren't working. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of kind of mystery, and it it became a very curious thing in hindsight to hear the initial ruling for why Skyler was out for the what was the first of that final four games down the stretch was a non-COVID illness that then became, well, this is a personal reason that she's away from the team, and the team ultimately gives a partial suspension to her, especially because earlier in the season when there was a very public kind of spat between Skyler and Diana Taurasi in Las Vegas, Skyler then missed two games with a non-COVID illness. What It's certainly a lot of mystery. uh, Exit interviews are voluntary and Skyler chose not to come to do an exit interview with the media to kind of talk about anything. I wonder when we would hear from Skyler next at all. And that kind of adds to the mystery for her in particular as to kind of what's gone wrong. Our fearless leader at the next Howard Migdal was reporting around the trade deadline that Phoenix had been shopping Skylar after she sent out a tweet with a clown emoji of her head coach advocating for Diana Taurasi. And once again, it's kind of tough to see those things as not conjoined. It does make it very interesting. Hayden general manager, Jim Pittman did address a question directly asked about Skylar and whatnot, and basically said, She's got a contract. She's on the roster. So we expect her to be here. Is that an expectation that you also carry? No.
1: And you, you brought this up before, before the show, Um, you know, when he said the same thing about Bria Hartley last season and said, you know, she is almost untouchable and, you know, she's one of the core pieces of this team. And, you know, I understand at the time that, the ability to acquire diamond to shields, you know, an electric player on both sides of the, on both sides of the floor. But, you know, I just, something sort of ticks me off a little bit when someone says something like that about a specific player. And then they deal that player because it's like, if, you know, sometimes the best thing to say is nothing at all. And I think in this case, I think they're going to try and trade sky, but we saw the same incident when she was in Dallas. You know, she wanted to she wanted to force her way out of there and and she did. And I'm just curious to what team would be willing to take her on because talent-wise, she's phenomenal. She can do just about everything on a basketball court, but and and I don't mean this to sound callous, but you know, I don't know who wants to deal with the baggage and with some of, you know, the unnecessary drama if you will you know when she was voted an all-star i believe she was you know i think it was 14th amongst uh, amongst player votes because like it's it's kind of gone around the league that players really don't like to play with her and i if, if you're if you're jim Pittman, you know i understand wanting to trade her it would just be who can you get because we know that you know that diggin smith and head coach Vanessa Nygaard, you know, they they butt heads, and they have done so publicly, and they've done so in press conferences, and they've just made these very subtle remarks about each other, and I think given how the season went, and, you know, even though, you know, Skyler basically, you know, jumped ship, uh, you know, the team still made the playoffs, I think Pittman's going to side with Nygaard. Um, do I agree with it? Yes and no. But I, I would just be curious to see who they, you know, who
0: they would trade Skyler for. And I do actually have some more things to add to that. But before we do that, I just want to ask, are you somebody who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Well, that's wrong. The truth is that your reaction time slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high, period. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. So Hayden, obviously, you know, this season has gone the way that it's been. This is your first season on the beat. You've kind of come in with a wholesale change in Phoenix. They have had a brand new head coach right as you've come into the beat. There's been other changes around the organization in that regard too. I I do find it interesting as somebody who was around that team last year and kind of saw how things changed. You know, I was around when they did do the introductory press conference for Nygaard, and that had happened seven weeks after they had made the announcement that they were parting ways with Sandy Brondello. But they never kind of did any presser or anything to state why they decided to move on from Brondello at the time, and they came back in the presser with that with Nygaard the hire of Vanessa Nygaard. that was the first time that they talked to anybody publicly. And so I asked about that and Pittman said, and I'm going to actually take the quote from that story at the time said, uh, we just thought it was time for a new voice for our team. It's a long time. Eight years is a long time to be with one group of people. We certainly wish Sandy well with her new job. I'm confident she'll do very well in New York. And I kind of wrote this at the time when they did the hire to, to kind of say eight years has been a long time was a very curious thing because of the fact that really nobody on that Phoenix team had been there for all eight years. There was only two players who had even been with Sandy from the time she got hired till then, which was Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner. And it was very obvious during last season. And I talked to Skylar about this multiple times, how much she had grown in appreciation and grown very close with Sandy Brondello. And so there's a part of me that wonders if that dynamic between Nygaard and Diggin Smith never had a chance to get off on a right foot because of the fact that, you know, Nygaard was a coach that was replacing somebody that Skyler was close to. It seems like for me there, there was never a chance for it to even succeed because it was set up to fail. And that sets up the head coach to fail as well as the team to fail in that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. And it was, it's very interesting as well, because um, during their media day, I actually, I, I talked to Skylar about her relationship with Nygard and just sort of how it's been, and I, I kind of I chuckle now because of just the sheer irony of it, you know, with what we've been talking about, and you know, like she basically said, you know, it's Fred, other, she was very pleased that she brought on, and I know one in particular was Crystal Robinson, um, because uh, Crystal was in uh, was in Dallas with uh, with Skylar, and you know helped her, you know, when, when she had her son and everything like that. And it sounded like, you know, obviously she missed Sandy, but, you know, she was ready to get, she was ready to, you know, she's ready to do the season with Nygaard. But, you know, like you said, I don't think it ever really got a chance to fully develop because it felt like every single week, you know, something was changing.
0: And and I guess when you, when you look at it and especially, in hindsight with the season, you know, there's definitely some missteps that I think that happened in both regards and some of it, not even necessarily directly to each person's fault. You know, when Nygaard said the full quote that ended up becoming the video that caught the clown emoji quote tweet from Skylar, you know, the full quote was starting with Vanessa saying, you know, I love that Skylar made the all-star game. She's totally deserving of it. But then she transitioned into the point about Diana and maybe said something that in hindsight, she probably said a little too, Uh, with a little too much punch you know it's not an all-star game with Diana Taurasi but then the social media team you know you pick out your quotes you want to send a message and I don't blame anybody for doing this because you have a job to do and you want to have your coach send a message but you know when you clip that to kind of only have the you know it's not an all-star game with Diana Taurasi that does probably leave a sting to your actual all-star so I do wonder in the long run what kind of Nygaard's coaching level is I know over at the next, and actually over at the nine, uh, Howard Megdal, who has both of those entities under here, kind of pointed out that is kind of a, the, one of the biggest coaching gaffes he's seen, and a, certainly one that shocked everyone in the WNBA. I, I, I get the sense that you would believe Nygard's going to be back for next season at this point. Do you not? Oh, I think I think it's a lock that that she's back,
1: and because she didn't say it during, she really didn't emphasize it too much. Uh, during the beginning of the season, but towards the tail end, she talked about her system was built around BG, around Brittany Griner. And when you have one of the most dominant centers in the game, if not ever, you know, and I think the, the thing that really stands out to me about BG is just how skilled that she is. You know, it's, she's not just six foot nine and she's like lumbering around in the paint like she, she has a very crafty skill set, post-up. She's developing a three-point shot, uh, just a really soft touch around the basket, great defensive awareness, you know. Obviously made Breonna Turner's life really, really easy when it comes to, you know, cuts and, you know, playing off of one another and things like that. So I think given all the changes that Nygaard had to make and, you know, you bring in someone like a Tina Charles who they signed in February, just before, just before BG was wrongfully detained, you know. It, it was so weird because there was an interesting tidbit I pulled from one of my stories. It was from, uh, from Synergy Stats. And Tina Charles, I believe, counted for just over 60% of the team's total post-up possessions. Get this. She left... In at the halfway
0: point, yeah, Literally she left
1: at the halfway point. point,
0: and she still accounted for more than half of the post ups for the full season.
1: Yeah, and you know, obviously, I think I think there was more animosity between between Charles and the team than you know than she wants to talk about or that the media might want to dig into. But you know, her system was designed around BG, and you know, when you don't have one of the best players, you know, frankly, in all basketball, you know, it you know, it makes it tough. So yeah, you know, make a long story short. Yes. I think she'll be back.
0: And I guess, you know, there's a lot of things that would make you wonder if the system was designed around BG, how was Tina ever going to fit? It's not as if, you know, BG doesn't also play in the post as well. So if the system was set there, you would still be having two players who like to be in the post, even if they can hit three pointers. Um, that was certainly something that when Tina signed and when Tina came into depressor, presser, those were some of the things I was still asking about when, the was transitioning from me to you in that regard is how is this going to work? How are you going to do this? I remember actually specifically Nygaard talked about the fact that she was watching the Rio 2016 Olympics when the starting lineup included Diana Taurasi, Tina Charles, Brittany Greiner, and kind of seeing how those two interplayed with each other and how they work together. So certainly, you know, there's no way to account for the volume in which you miss with Griner not there I I do I don't think it's fair to speculate by the way one way or the other as to what's going to happen with Griner but I think at this point you almost have to start to assume you won't have her until you do a little bit you at least you know Jim Pittman's always been the type that says he's prepared for just about any scenario that he could possibly face but you know I, I don't know if it's fair to even assume and jump back to the idea that oh, well, BG will be back next year. I, I mean, no one knows. This stuff is so out of any possible control that it's, it's hard to even factor how that's going to play for next season.
1: Yeah, I'm, I am very impressed, though, um, and I know I, I talked about this quite a bit already, but just the amount of adjustments that Nygaard has made, um, and specifically with Sophie Cunningham, putting her at the power of a position that she has never been in her entire basketball career, dating all the way back from the zoo. And she flourished. You know, she was she was top 10 in scoring post all-star break. Uh she was second in threes, in threes made in three point percentage, um, you know, in around 40%. And she took on a whole new role. And, you know, like, like we talk about, you know, if I just find it so perplexing how when your offense was designed to I don't know if I would say f- to mainly be in the public. when you develop a five out offense and it, it starts it starts working, you know. And Sophie Cunningham has been a matchup nightmare for a lot of these teams, you know. I I look at teams like the Sparks, for example, back when they had Liz Cambage, you know, and you know they would swing it after Cunningham and it would just be you know lights out. Um, but yeah, I. I don't know. I think I I'm excited to see what Nygaard's actual system will look like because for this past season, it really hasn't even been the one that she desired.
0: As we kind of look toward next season, you know, there are technically three players who have a guaranteed contract for next season, though. One of them is Skyler Diggins Smith, who the GM says, is going to be on, you know, has a contract for next season. So he expects her, but I'm not sure if that's a fair expectation for everybody to carry into the off season. Um, but we know that Brianna Turner will be back. She signed a two year extension that I think is one of the better contracts in the WNBA period at that price point. Diamond to Shields has one more season, but this is a blank can- canvas. Otherwise there's several WNBA teams that have kind of very few players that are, have a guaranteed contract for next season. Uh, But Phoenix maybe has the blankest canvas of anybody, even with all the players that they brought in to kind of keep trying to make things work. They could retain some players rights. There's certainly a chance that that happens, but it all kind of comes back to where Diana Taurasi is at now that she's turned 40 and just completed the season. It was actually one of the healthiest seasons she's had in a long time up until she had her quad issue in the fifth to the last game of the regular season or excuse me, the sixth of the last game. And then she wasn't able to play the rest of the way. And it kind of makes, it made me wonder if Diana was really going to push it and try to make it into these playoff games, even though, you know, it was a grade two strain that usually is like a four to eight week thing. If she somehow was back in the second week, was that a sign that maybe she knew this was going to be it? I kind of at least think there's, there's got to be a lot of sentiment that they aren't going to not have Diana Taurasi to use the double negative there.
1: Yeah. Um it's very interesting you bring up those contracts and like you said, you know, Brianna Turner signed that 2-year extension, uh, they signed Kia Nurse uh, to a contract extension as well. You know, Phoenix is in a very interesting spot. If if BG Russia, I think this would be a totally different ball game. I think I think that as management, as the coach, you would just look to win now because it'd be your golden opportunity. But like you said, we don't know the certainty of Dinah Tarossi coming back. You know, she's she stated, you know, how she, you know, how she feels good and how she wants to come back. But you know, we, we've seen a lot of people, you know, retire suddenly. I mean, look at Sue Bird. She said in the middle of the season that, you know what? She's like, I, I think that I'm gonna call it after this. And I, Phoenix right now, I think you have to prepare for this. Cunningham is 25. Um, Breezy, I believe is 24 and, you know, diamond to shields is about 27. So, you know, you have a pretty solid core and then, is, and then Kia nurse as well. And I think also okay. another interesting part that I feel a lot of people are forgetting is Phoenix does not have their draft pick this year because it's going to Chicago. Thank you. Thank you, James Wade for screwing over the Phoenix Mercury. John I mean, Helder, Bill, but hey, I I will say
0: this. It wasn't like he did that without any, you know, it's not like he just did that because he could, I mean, that's what got Phoenix diamond to shield. So it takes two to make a trade in that case, it took three, but uh, Phoenix (laughs) didn't give that away because they had to No, they, they wanted to, they willingly gave it away. And that's part of, I guess this team has been going so hard and attempting to go all out for titles. And that still seems to be the plan, but it seems like it would be harder than ever to do that. And that's part of why in part, you know, you made the move for Skylar when you traded for her all of now three seasons ago, as she finishes her third season in Phoenix, you made the trade for her to help kind of bridge the gap and be the superstar that forms when Diana does end up. And so for, you know, Skylar's only in her early thirties. She probably has several years left. I don't know if I would say 10, the way that it would to get to Diana's age, but St- Skyler was going to be the one that if all went well, you know, Diana would fade off into the sunset and it would become Skyler's team and Skyler and BG a little more similar age range, very good pairing skill set wise. They really carried the team through some times without Diana last season to at least stay in the playoff chase to make that big run in the finals, into the finals. That would have been the duo that you built around. And now you've kind of entered this, kind of no man's land where you if diana comes back you you, i would you know jim Pittman has basically said diana will be a phoenix mercury player as long as she wants to we'll make it work and so i would suspect that that's going to happen but then what else changes around her becomes a huge blank canvas but it's kind of you don't have the assets really to trade to get better you've also traded your second round pick for this upcoming season to the indiana fever by the way, if as the Phoenix Mercury, they only have two third round picks, but they they've found some success in in kind of finding usable WNBA players from the waiver wire, from undrafted rounds. How do you, how does this team you know what what does this team need to do in your mind, Hayden, to maybe find the people to fit Nygaard's system, even with the two biggest pieces of it being massive question marks in Tarasi and Griner?
1: What I think is very crazy, Alex, is that I think that they've actually got a couple of those pieces already. They signed Kayla Davis, and I didn't think that would be as big of a move as it was. Granted, you know, I know game two, you lose by 37. She still scored 20 plus. She had a career game. And I I watched that game, you know, with everyone, you know, with everyone at the next on playback. Um, you know, shout, shout out to that. Just want to give a little shameless plug to that real quick. Um, but she got to her spots, um, you know, post-ups, pull-up jumpers coming off of screens, and it was just very creative the way that Nagard used her. She used her in about every single way that you could, and for someone of her size, you know, for someone that's over six feet tall, you know, handling the ball, taking it up the floor, I think it's very interesting. I think she has a very unique skill set. Uh, she's one of those players that will just, will give you everything that she's got, and I think that for the Phoenix Mercury, I think that's got to be their that's got to be their identity, at least without BG. You know, you may not be the most talented team. You may not have the best players, but they're going to play with heart. And I know that they did that during the second half of the season, you know, especially with Sophie Cunningham and Breonna Turner. And, you know, even even Jenny Sims, rather, you know, getting a couple of those starts and, you know, putting up really good production. So I think just maybe scout out a couple more players. I say just keep it all in house. The the last thing thing you need if you're the Phoenix Mercury is more change.
0: Right. Though that being said, a couple of those players you mentioned were signed on hardship agreements, which automatically means that Phoenix doesn't get to keep their rights. They're free agents. And in theory, they have to wait to even negotiate with them until February. So so that's kind of the the precarious position. The players who they do have under contract for next season are very limited. And one of them in particular seems like somebody that they might be happier to not have in Skylar Diggins-Smith. They have a couple of major question marks, obviously one that is completely out of their control in Brittany Griner, but even Diana Taurasi, does she play again? If she does, you assume she comes back at what point? Kia Nurse didn't play at all this season, rehabbing from a torn ACL, but she did take what was effectively kind of the qualifying offer, and it at least kind of makes you wonder if there was maybe a little bit of a handshake agreement to kind of give Kia contract she deserved last offseason before she got hurt if she was willing to help the team by taking a lesser contract for 2022 but Kia is an unrestricted free agent so if she doesn't decide she wants to stick around with Phoenix Phoenix has no way to control her rights there's a few players who they do have control over as restricted free agent including Sophie Cunningham who might get a pretty significant payday from somebody else if they want to make life difficult on Phoenix but I would agree that that's somebody Phoenix has to do whatever they can to retain, but she's earned not just one pay bump because when they did not pick up her rookie year fourth, fourth rookie year option, she got a little bit of a $3,000 raise, but she's probably going to get closer to $100,000, maybe more than $100,000 this season. And then on top of that, you have Shea Petty, and I kind of want to end just kind of talking about one of the best stories in the WNBA that we've seen over the last four years in Shea Petty who had a career overseas for super long, was brought in a few different times by the Washington Mystics, even stuck around when she wasn't kept by the Mystics and won a title in 2019 as an assistant coach, but really found a home as a key WNBA everyday player for the Phoenix Mercury, and even was starting as they won a couple of games down the stretch and in game one, it just, in the worst luck possible and kind of as the finishing point for this team, for Shea Petty to go down with a ruptured Achilles, I, I hope for her sake that there is a path for her to still come back to the WNBA and still be a professional player. But it it really was an unfortunate way for one of the most trying seasons I think you can envision for a team to end was with more things to have to battle through and for a player to be handed one of the worst injuries you possibly can on the basketball court.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, Sophie Cunningham said after that game, after game one, she said it's basically like the dagger in the heart for this season. You know, everything that could have that gone wrong went wrong. And, you know, it, it especially pains me to see a player like Shea Petty go down with that type of injury because, like you said, her story and, and you know, how she played overseas, how she was an assistant with the, uh, with the Washington Mystics. And then, you know, get signed by Phoenix in the, you know, in the Wubble, you know, makes a huge impact last season. And then this season, you know, her scoring averages bumped up. I think she might have been the only player this season to have every single statistical category go up. And, um, you know, she's is, is taking on a great a greater role. You know, the last four games of the season, you know, she averaged around 43% from three on nearly six attempts a game, mm-hmm. which is, you know which is great considering the sort of the rock from three, you know, she just plays with a tremendous amount of heart, you know, defensively. Uh, I watched her lock up some of the best stars across the entire league. And one of my favorites was when New York came to town. Uh, Sorry, Howard, if you're listening to this Um, and when she was guarding Sabrina, because Shay is one of those players You know, she's not going to swipe at everything, but she's just so smart. Call-outs on screens, um, you know, when to switch. And, you know, she's just such a fundamentally sound player. I hope that, you know, like you said, I hope her recovery goes very well. I hope that she's able to make a return to the W because, you know, the league needs players like her.
0: The world needs players like her, and the world needs people like her. I'm, I am certain it's not the last that we will see of Shea Petty in the WNBA, and hopefully it is not the last that we see of her on the court. But we're also hoping, Hayden Silly that it is not the last that we see of you here on the Lockdown Women's Basketball Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Where can the people find you and what you're doing and kind of what you're up to during the offseason?
1: Um, they can follow me on Twitter, um, at Hayden Silly. That is that is how you pronounce my last name. Quite a few chuckles from that. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm very active on Twitter, um, especially during the uh, you know, especially during the regular season. But through the off season as well, um, I've got some really cool things lined up through the next and through you know our founder
0: Howard McDowell. So I'm just I'm really excited for that. And you can go ahead and follow me at Alex Simon sports over on Twitter. And I think pretty much anywhere that you can find social media platforms to follow. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. We hope you have a lovely weekend and enjoy game three of the WNBA semifinals. Will either of these series go to a game four? We'll have to see.